Well, you want to hear the craziest thing is me and, uh, you know, Jackie Flynn, comedian Jackie Flynn from Boston? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He and I play golf together a lot. And when you go to a public course and you show up as a twosome, they match you up with two other guys to make the foursome. And you don't know who it's going to be. And it's almost always be my worst a great nightmare. experience. It's like one of the best parts about playing public courses in, in L.A. is you just, always, you, you just always meet cool people. So we sign up, and then the starter goes, okay, uh, you're teeing off at uh, 8.40, and you're playing with these two guys right here. I look to my right. Who is it? O.J. Simpson and his You friend. are a big, fat o. liar. O.J. Simpson. No way. Yes, and I had and I had seen him hitting balls in the driving range. I was like, it's fucking O.J. And so I look to the heavens, and I'm like, thank you, God, for delivering me what will surely be my panel talk when I do the Tonight Show one day. You got that this right. Is, this is going to be, you know, the story I tell my grandkids. Jackie Flynn turns around and he goes, He's a murderer. I ain't playing golf with a fucking no. murderer. Oh. And OJ walks away and the starter goes, okay, you're tee off at 930 with these two other guys. Why would he do that to you? <laughs> That's horrible. I would have I would have done it too for the story. For the story. What I kind of until, comedian is that? You wait until like the 12th hole and you're standing <laughs> over a long putt and you just look at OJ and you go, hey, if I make this, you got to tell me if you killed those two <laughs> exactly. people. Exactly. <laughs> podcast playing a little something off the original nightfly album not the new live one hello everybody i'm dave jeskow and welcome to the october 19th 19th 2021 edition of the nightfly somewhere in the i don't know 370 range is that possible heading up to our 400th podcast now in our seventh season i believe Yes, playing that because, uh, well, I'll tell you why in a second. But uh, let us begin with, how about that opening? I mean, Jesus Christ, I just, uh, look, I opened with myself this week. The Comedy Cellar football show is on fire for uh, friends of our Nightfly podcast as really an outstanding companion piece, as was found out two weeks ago when we had Molly Heckerling on and tell us some some Rodney stories and some fast time stories. Hello. Because her dad 
passed them down to her, the director of Caddyshack. What are you fucking kidding me? But uh, last week, uh, another great episode. I got to say, Keanu did a great job. Keanu Thompson, she's so cute, and she was good. But then Greg Fitzsimmons, boy, is this guy... He he delivers. You know, everything you say about him is great. And what's better than a guest who is... I had never heard a story like that before. He's telling that OJ story. I mean, that is great podcasting and whatever it is. What a lucky break. What a great story. He's almost, except for that douchebag is golfing with oj and then his friend i'm saying the dude his friend saying i'm not playing with no murderer oh what a bummer oh my god can you even imagine i don't know what i would do in that situation i'd be terrified to say i'm not playing with the murder i'd be like oh okay okay i mean this is that thing the guy's like uh <laughs> like right out of Caddyshack, we're like, was that uh, put me down for three? And then the guy holds up his hand that it's ten. And uh, would you ever question OJ? And be like, um, I think that was your seventh stroke. And uh, he's like, what? What'd you say? No, I said, good work again, OJ. You've done it again. Oh man, the possibilities, the possibilities. And again, uh, all I thought was it was exactly and i said this on the show just like meeting auric goldfinger except they did it the opposite way goldfinger's partner was james bond so it was the other because they set it up you know m set it up just like m set it up that he could be in the poker game at casino royale you know the uh mi6 can always set up if you're in a meeting i've gotten you in i've gotten you in wait how do you how do you word it i've gotten you in on a high stakes poker game i've gotten you a seat I don't know what it is, but oh my God, that story was great. Greg Fitzsimmons is great. How about if you've watched the show and if you haven't, you got to watch it. Just like I told you last week, you got to go to the Molly Heckerling one. You got to watch Greg Fitzsimmons. We always talk about the Sunday comics. You know how obsessed I am with the Sunday comics and how horrible they are. And I can't believe they exist and people make millions from it, which is why really I should have a Sunday comic in the paper. It'd be so simple. But I took out the captions and took a chance that this guy could make up his own, even though I was putting him way on the spot because I wouldn't be able to do it. And he killed it. The Family Circus one, the High and Lowest one. I mean, he killed it. He's so talented. And he's such a good writer. And I've already told you about his producing and the way he handles David Tell and stuff. I wish he would do more of that. He's so good. And uh, a really great friend over the years and just a terrific guy, Greg Fitzsimmons. So... You know, the Comedy Cellar football show is kick-ass. This week, I have Colin Smith and Nick Casavina. Oh, crap. Why can't I ever remember his name? Casavina, I think. I don't know. We will know by tomorrow because he, like I said, is amazing. And they're going to sing a bunch of songs this week early. I think we changed it to they're going to do six. And then my friend Sweet Lou Pellegrino will be making the picks at 7 p.m., uh, like I told you, the week after, Wayne Fetterman, who was so funny on The Tonight Show. God, you know, I love these people that a lot of people don't know, and I wish they would know better. Wayne Fetterman's always been funny. But when he was on that Tonight Show that time, we played that clip last year, and I might, might even just play it again. 
where they had him on the Tonight Show to promote his new book, which of course is just like, wow, this guy is, you don't know him. The audience doesn't know Wayne maybe, but to have the respect that Jimmy Fallon has him on the Tonight Show to promote a book, you know, that's, that's rare. And then he's like, uh, how is this book? And he just starts reading the first chapter. He goes, no, Jimmy's like, no, no, that's not how it's done. So he even has a bit. That's terrific. And of course, Wendy Liebman, you know, we love her. We love her so much. And uh, just confirmed for November 2nd, I believe, Amy Yazbek. Amy Yazbek from Wings and Problem Child, the widow of John Ritter, who she still pines after after all these years you know why because he was awesome and god he was definitely one of my heroes he is up there with anybody that we know uh, certainly from this podcast the nightfly that we grew up loving that's i mean that's why we obviously like larry from three's company richard klein we have him on sometimes and you know uh, john ritter was just uh you know just as influential you might say uh to be a comedian as christopher reeve and superman as alex sulkin and i have spoken about many times or any of your comedy heroes john belushi or rodney you know i mean john ritter was just as good with his very great charm and uh comedy slapstick he was just a beloved guy and amy yasbeck still worships him and uh she has a, as you know, I, uh, you know, help out with this organization she does, which, oh, I can't remember. It's it's a, a, aortic something or other, and I always just forget. I forget everything. You know, I forget Joe's uh, charity, too, and, you know, he's my pal. Um, but it is, what's, what's it called? The Ritter Run, and it's, a, you know, a charity to, to prevent, to detect early detection of what John Ritter died from. So she always comes to New York this time of the year for the marathon. And so I said, why don't you come on and promote the show? So she's so cool and pretty. Oh, my God. And look, look, you know how I am. I like having the pretty girls on. This is what I do. Uh, so and before I, the reason why I brought it up is because I did hang out with that girl, Kate Herman, on Wednesday. But I'm going to start. I'm recording this on Friday because I just had nothing going on today. And it is absolutely gorgeous in New York City. I mean, it is a perfect day. I don't even know whether you consider it a fall day. I mean, it's just perfect, perfect weather. 70 degrees, sunny, not a cloud in the sky, a beautiful day to sit and look outside while recording a podcast. So, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, what the hell? I'm like not doing anything. I don't have anything planned for tonight. I thought I was going out uh, with a girl. I'm not going to say on a date. But um, she canceled, so I'm like, eh, little podcast. So I'm just going to start with yesterday. My cousin Elliot died, uh, I found out, on Tuesday. Now, don't get that upset. He was uh, in his very late 80s. But. Uh, you know, and I don't get that sad about death. I'm just, I'm just telling you. And yeah, we all have. I, I don't want anybody. It's like I went to the funeral yesterday. That's what I'm going to tell you. And I was wearing my suit. And when I went to get the car, the guy's like, "What are you getting married? Oh my God, you look great. You know, you're getting married." So I don't want to tell anybody I'm going to a funeral because it's not a sad funeral. I mean, yes, is it a sad funeral? Of course it is. This guy was a great guy. But uh, you know, it, it's old. And nobody needs to. You don't. I, I don't want to tell anybody I'm going to a funeral because then they'll feel bad that they were like, hey. Look at this guy, you know, so it's just not necessary. So 
Uh, we get the call that he, he's dead. And the weird part is in August on my birthday, when I just before I got sick, when I went out to Fort Lee, uh, the day when my friend Alina and outside Steve took, took me out for my birthday and the double dinner at the Korean barbecue place. Is it all coming back now? <laughs> I gave him a call and I said, hey, why don't you come out to dinner with me for my birthday? And I never heard back from them, but apparently he was really sick and he had a feeding tube in, so he wasn't going to last much longer. But I'm just going to tell you really quickly about my cousin Elliot because, he, you know, uh, you as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, my father and I didn't get along very well at all. And he didn't like me and I didn't really care for him very much either. So when he died, just for the fact of having your father died, it really, again, my sister and I really didn't care that much um so and i've had you know for years i guess it's been 16 17 years um i've always had bad dreams about him still being alive and how off those are the nightmares that he's still alive my father now those have just recently subsided somehow where now if i dream about him they're not hard they're not nightmares these were nightmares for 15, 16 years of him still being alive. So I don't know exactly what he did to me. I'm not sure. So maybe I don't even want to think about it. I don't know. But my sister feels similar, which is interesting because, you know, again, and I've told these stories before, he, uh, you know, kind of ruined our family dynamic because of his hatred of me so much and his anger. You know, he didn't do anything to Beth, but it stems over. And it kind of ruins the family in the in the similar way that uh, Trish, you know, the girl that that died uh, recently that I asked to marry, uh, that she was kind of destroyed by the fact that her younger sister, you know, had a, a birth heart issue and was getting all the attention and that ruined that family dynamic. So sometimes if one sibling is whether they're praising or shitting on them, it ruins the rest you know it does affect the rest of the family an interesting thing to know if i ever do have kids you know let's just say i I do have two kids and you know the little one has a problem or the big one has a problem make sure it's it's like having this is a horrible example but it's like having um a menage a trois a three-way sex the most important thing you can do when having sex with two girls at the same time and that probably goes for whether you're having sex with boy or girl i just only experienced it because turns out i'm not gay uh if you are having sex with two girls it is so important to make sure everyone's included you always have to be touching the other person if you are working on the other person because other because it is a one small error that will make somebody in that group feel uncomfortable one wrong move and you've made the other woman, in this particular case, feel like, oh, I could tell you liked her better or something. And, and that is something, you know, you have to practice <laughs> if you have the opportunity. And, you know, when I had mine, which I, I believe I maybe I haven't ever told it on this show. I've done it a couple times, which is a miracle. Um, you know, I'd been ready <laughs> by the time I had it. You know, I was watching the Playboy channel for years. I was ready for this. I was ready for this and I knew how to handle it so but that's the most important thing so again very taking these these tactics if I do have kids it, it's very important to remember make sure everyone is included of course you can 
put that entire advice into life in general. Nobody likes to be excluded, especially me, who has clear abandonment issues of some form or another. And where they come from, I'm not really even sure. But that all being said, uh, when it came to my father and all this stuff, there was this cousin Elliot. Now, we weren't that close. We had these family meetings. As I showed you a picture in our recent video podcast of, uh, you know, my mother and everybody sitting outside and, and my cousin Elliot, I think he's in the picture. This guy was always hilarious. He was very jolly. He was cool. He had an amazing laugh and he really just seemed to love life. But later on, after my dad died, who he didn't like at all, we, we got a lot closer and we used to talk on the phone a lot all the way up until his death and his daughters told me who I'm still friendly with. They told me like, my dad loves talking to you. He loves talking to you. And that made me so happy because I really enjoyed talking to him too. We went to a few Mets games together. He would hang out with us at the Jets games because my uh, cousin, my one of his his daughters married this great guy that you know, I'm friends with. He's in the football pool, and you know we all used to like the Jets. <laughs> and uh, he would come to the tailgates and hang out and have a beer. I'm, I'm Dave Elliott, who listens to the show. Uh, you probably didn't realize Dave that uh, Elliott died, and I know you knew him because we used to hang out with him in the Jets games, and he used to say, "God, your cousin's so cool." Because he was. It was odd to hang out with a 70-year-old man and have like a regular time when we were like 30. And he just sits in a chair and, and puts his legs up and has a beer and he, he's not awkward. You don't get a feeling where he's trying to be young. He's just a fun, cool guy. And I just never had that experience with an older person like that. And remember, this is the guy's father-in-law. That's how great he was. The two son-in-laws yesterday at the funeral got up and spoke how great their father-in-law is. That's a miracle in itself, I would think. But that's how cool he was. And I guess when we kind of, you know, hit it off and just, you know, really got to talking and he even told me why he didn't like my dad. So we could kind of bash my dad a little and I was in the mood for doing that at the time. And, uh, you know, again, we would attend Mets games. We got pictures and everything. And my dad, I just never did that with my dad. So this was amazing. And there were like, I guess, three or three men in my life that were nice to me in, in around the same age range as my dad that were so much nicer to me than my dad. My friend Lawrence's father was always so sweet to me and and they cared about me and they see I'm getting emotional I didn't think they would do that today <laughs> they cared about me and they they asked you know how my career was going and it wasn't just like everything you're doing is stupid they were like no I think he can make it they were what you wanted in a father it's uh, my friend Lawrence's dad and their their next door neighbor, the the Weinbergs, uh, my friend Lisa, who I went to college with, and you know we're still all friendly to this day. But their dad was terrific too. His name was Larry Weinberg, and he he was the king of Atlantic City. How do you not love this guy? He loved gambling, ran a furrier place in Jersey City. His son takes care of it now. Famous furs, right? So old-fashioned. Hey, talk like this. Dave, you're so talented. It's all going to work out for you. You know, one of those things. And he'd get so angry about the games because he'd lose football. I mean, this guy was the best. 
Every year they take a picture of him fast asleep after Thanksgiving. He loved life, and he was a great guy, and he was always so kind to me. And um, quite frankly, even though he kind of turned out to be a douchebag, but not to me, my friend Lee Maracas' father as well, maybe I told you this, when we'd go to their, I'd go to my friend Lee's house, you know, I'm still obviously very close with Lee, we go to the tailgates together, you know, this is Lee's, like my best friend now, and um you know, we were going to his dad's house, me, Lawrence, and Lee, to Lee's house, and we'd watch the Naked Gun TV series or Annie Hall in his living room with his father. And it wasn't that big a deal. Does your father have to be here? It wasn't like that. His dad loved what we loved. I used to do that with Lawrence's dad, too. We would just sit and watch TV together. That was something we never did with my dad. My dad didn't want to watch TV with anybody. He wanted to watch alone, and that was that. And at this point, I'm probably the exact same way. It's pathetic. But it was great. We would watch, and Lee's father had all these betas. He taped everything off Channel 11. I think they still have all these beta tapes. They're probably actually worth money on eBay. Uh, Everybody's dead now. But, yeah, I remember these. And he was, you know, and they'd all, besides Larry, uh, Mr. Lerman and Mr. Marcus would all give me shit. But it was completely, and I knew, like even I'm talking about in high school, they would give me shit, they would make fun of me, like all my friends do. Like every comic I know, they just give me shit. But I, but I knew it was completely coming from love, and they liked me. You know what I'm saying? It was just they were able to joke around, and they knew I got the joke. And I loved it. And I loved that I felt that they really, really liked me. And uh, that meant a big deal. And this is the way this... Uh, my cousin Elliot was, I guess he was, um, I guess him and my dad had the, what'd they have? Um, I guess a mother, the, the mother, their mothers were sisters. So I guess they were first cousins, right? Yeah. But he ain't, my dad was, I guess he said something about, you know, money or something and just insulted him back in the fifties. And that was a thing. But this guy, we would have these long talks and he's like, how's your comedy going? Oh, I saw this. And we talk about comedy and. You know, he's like, oh, I, I, you know, I saw Sarah's new special and he, you know, he knew I was friends with her and we talk about a tell and stuff like that. And, you know, he knew what was going on comedy. And then, of course, we talk about the Mets or the Jets. And I guess it was, I mean, sometimes towards the end, I could have that conversation with my father, but Cousin Ellie, it was really awesome. And, uh, you know, I was really sad to hear that he was going to go. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. So obviously I was going to go to the funeral. So my sister and I decided to go yesterday. It was in New Jersey. And, you know, I was thinking, do people still dress up in jackets and ties for funerals? But I think they do, at least especially for an older folk. Uh, anyway, my sister and I went, you know, to, we met there. And um, I was really happy that we were together because, you know, it hasn't been great. But it, it was awesome yesterday because really I sometimes forget how much I miss her in my life. And because I guess we really are or were best friends but she just has a lot of anger issues towards me and I just hope she uh i don't know you know she's really cool i really uh i didn't realize how much i well maybe you know i mean i've been talking about it but anyway anyway so we go to the funeral home in jersey and it was a beautiful day again i mean absolutely beautiful so it was a great day to travel and just go out to jersey and have a nice funeral and you know how i feel about funerals i love them I have never had a bad time at one, and this one was no exception. Boy, was there fun drama. 
right out of the movies. We're sitting there, and apparently, you know, we see these other relatives that who knows. And this uh, woman comes up to us. She goes, "My name is Toby. You re- you remember? Hi, David." And I'm like, "Huh? Do you remember me? Not really. I'm I'm Toby." And I'm like, "I can, you know who the fuck knows who Toby is, right? I don't know. It turns out it's cousin Elliot's sister." And I'm like, "All right, uh, really?" And I've probably seen this woman for years from the '70s and stuff, and. I didn't know they were brother and sister. I had no idea who the hell knows who anybody is. Everybody's so old, and it's just a mess. I didn't really care for her uh, kids or anything like that, so uh, we weren't close enough. So anyway, um, I didn't know it was a sister. So then apparently the, the you know, my cousins, uh, the kids and the, whatever, they, they don't set up a place for her, his, his sister, like up front. They don't have her a place to sit. So she's in the back, and she's getting angry really angry and while the rabbi who was the worst worst rabbi guy was no fun he didn't talk any fun he i wonder if he even knew them at all uh she just starts screaming that's my brother in that box you sons of bitches what the hell is this and everybody's turning around like going gasping but my sister like this is the best funeral ever because <laughs> like, you want the drama and he, you know, she's screaming, I'm getting out of here. I'm not putting up with this. And we, we didn't look back. I wish I had, I guess, but I didn't want to be rude. I was like, I'm going to give her a privacy. But it was awesome. And I think she left. And why wouldn't she? They didn't give her anywhere to sit. They had no respect for her whatsoever. So, of course, that leads. And I'm trying to get the story. And I wish I had gotten it before I got in the air. Maybe next week I'll get it. I'm definitely going to call Cousin Stewart and be like, what was that about? My guess is they were estranged, I guess. I'm hoping it's not going to, because I, I hope that's not going to be like me and Beth. That's, I'm not going to have a place up there. I'm like, we said, I'm like, can you imagine if we did that to Aunt Judy at, at, at dad's funeral? I'm like, no, I can't imagine that in my wildest dreams. So I don't know what's going on. Look, they were a very strange family. Besides his love for me, they they put people out of their lives. They were very private people. And the only reason we were able to Respect this is because my sister used to have a childhood friend where this family did the same thing. They were extremely private. We didn't know what they did, what they were doing, and they really just kept to themselves. And that's what this family was like. So, again, the fact that they kind of liked me even a little is a miracle because I don't think they care for outsiders whatsoever. So I don't know what happened. When they don't like you, they hated my mother and they didn't talk to her for another 40 years. So when you're out, you're out with that family, and that's it. It's terrifying. So that's what I'm guessing what happened, because they didn't seem to care at all that there was anything going on or whatever. So I don't know. But again, any kind of fun or out of the norm at a funeral is okay with me. I love it. It's the absolute best. Uh, it's really right out of a movie. And I just uh, always think, you know, if you're at a wedding and something weird happens, I'm like, this is the best wedding ever. <laughs> it's always good when something super fun happens. So then uh, they finished. And of course, like I said, with this family, they go, uh, now we're going to bury them because it took place at a cemetery, right? They have a little room where you can have the service and then just right at the cemetery. It's actually very convenient. And like, now we're going to bury him, but it's going to be immediate family. I'm sure everybody understands. And everybody's sitting there going like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just traveled an hour to get here, and now we can't go to the rest of it? I mean, like, you guys suck. It was like really bad. 
I'm like, really? Uh, so just, yeah, just the, uh, sorry, I guess. So my sister and I were kind of pissed off, but we would have been more pissed off if we didn't kind of expect it. It was just, wow, they really, <laughs> they they stick to their guns no matter what happens. They don't want anybody coming else that's not in their immediate family. It's really messed up. So my sister and I just walked around the graveyard <laughs> for like an hour because it was a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, it was a very pretty place. <laughs> so we just walked around the graveyard for an hour just talking about stuff and everything and her kids and stuff. And it was a very pleasant day. Go figure. We had a wonderful time at the funeral. I'm telling you, I've never had a bad time at a funeral. I mean, even in the worst scenarios, it's just nice to see everybody. And I was thinking about my dad's funeral and how happy I was to see everybody. It was so opposite from anybody else's. You know, my dad was just very, but I was seeing all these friends. I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to see. You know how nobody knows how to be? Well, I don't give a shit. I'm always going to be like, hey, hey, this guy. Because isn't that what it should be? I'm like, you know, well, we'll be somber later. But right now, look at all my friends. There's plenty of time to reflect later. You know, and again, I remember, you know, when people die, you know, you just, the, the way you, you, you handle it, you think about it, you go amongst your day, depending, I mean, if it's not your father or mother, or, you know, sister or something. Uh, and then you have glimpses of them throughout the day and you're like, oh, right. Oh, man, that sucks. And that's the way it worked, definitely. And I remember that night, I was thinking about him in bed. Uh, I was like, I couldn't. I was like, I'm really gonna miss him. You know, I just I didn't get to say goodbye. So that's too bad. But otherwise, it was a great day and a great funeral. And I think he would have uh, loved that. I loved that there was controversy at the funeral. We would have discussed that, and it would have been fun. But he was a great guy, a really great guy. I'm gonna write them a nice letter, like not just, you know, it wasn't just all bullshit. And and the best part is they're just saying. His love, I mean, how would I not love this guy, right? You ready for this? The, the, the speeches, the uh, eulogies were everybody knew how much he loved the Jets, the Mets, and Broadway. So if this guy and I weren't meant to, meant to be friends, a straight man that loved the Jets, the Mets, and Broadway, and passion for all of them equally, that is, you can, how could you not be friendly with a guy like that? Oh, and the, he liked the Knicks too, which I used to like, and then I didn't care. And he'd go to the games with his daughters and everything. It really was, he was a, a, a really terrific guy. Uh, but that's uh, that. I was mostly just telling you about the, the funeral. And then after the funeral, uh, I had to do my show at the West Side Comedy Club. And which is again no big deal, you know. I mean, I wasn't that upset. Um, I've done this before, where I've gone to a funeral and then done a show multiple. I think even when my grandmother died, it was just you know, what are you gonna do? And uh, then the the woman who runs the club said, I, "There's only two tickets sold. It's not my show, you know. I was just hosting the show, so I can't blame myself." She goes, "So I might cancel it." I'm like, "Oh, great," because you know me, I'd prefer for a rain out. And. Then it turned out it was on again, and she goes, well, I can host. You don't have to come. And I'm like, yeah, but then I talked to my friend Joe, and he goes, hey, you say it every week on the podcast. You need you, When you go out, good things happen. And he's so right. Now, nothing happened this time, but after the show, I was just so happy, 
and so glad, and I knew that would be the case, that I did it. I wasn't in the mood to do anything, but I was already dressed up in my suit, so I just went on stage, and I hosted the show and had a good time and you know, saw some nice people and just walked home, and it was great, and you know, it was a beautiful night to walk in the city, and then I got home in time to watch them, and I stopped for Taco Bell again. I couldn't help it. I'm like, uh, you know, because it was on the way home, and it was Thursday. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I'll get some tacos. I'll watch the game. So I was home by like 11, and I watched the end of that stupid Buccaneers game, which the, the Philadelphia Eagles screwed me again. They got to go for two. Oh, that's so annoying. But anyway, yeah, so I'm, oh, yeah, that was the right move to go out, even if I didn't want to do it. Even, that's not gonna, but I, I also made 50 bucks, and that, that pays for the cleaning lady. So you see, it was the right thing to do. Now, I I guess I'll go right... Uh, you know what? I'll go right into what happened on Wednesday. Okay. Now, last week, and we're talking about Kate Herman again. I know. I know. I told you a big sob story about two weeks ago when she insulted me on my own show. And then I told you also that, you know, she texted me like hey that was a great time meaning that she didn't even know what she was doing i don't even think it's drunkenness i think she's just she i don't know i don't know what to tell you and i also said on the show last week i believe that if she and and then she said how come you didn't put me in the uh in 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 the recap and i said and i wrote to her well you kind of were kind of mean to me so i didn't want to be reminded of it and I, I was, and it, it was pretty upsetting. I was very honest with her in a text, and then she didn't write back, or maybe she just wrote. I don't even know what she wrote. And I said, you know, if she sends me her lineup for drafting on football on Sunday, then I know she's not mad, and she just really doesn't get it or even understand what she did. And she sent me the lineup, and not just the lineup. She was like, hey, here's what I'm thinking, and I got this. Like, it wasn't just she just sent the lineup. She just sent, you know, all her details and everything, and she was being funny. And I'm like, you know, she really doesn't get what she did. So maybe it's okay. Then she goes, hey, can you come into Staten Island and do the show that I do, Her, the show she was saying, which was so much better than my Comedy Cellar football show, which it's not, and it gets less views. But it's something I always wanted to do because I know it tapes in Staten Island and I'm like, that's hilarious. I'm the only person that would ever want to go to Staten Island to do something. And I'm like, I'd love to. It's on Wednesday. I'm not doing anything. And I thought the way they, they tape it at a bar. So I'm like, well, that sounds like fun. Tape it at a bar. And I thought you get a free meal. So I thought I was going to Staten Island, taking the ferry, which is delightful again. The weather's been perfect. And then you get, you know, a meal and this. And I thought it was going to be that. It wasn't that at all. <laughs> but it wasn't that bad. So the first part that I was excited about was taking the moped, the Revel scooter, the motorcycle, whatever you want to call it, so I can describe it perfectly, to the Staten Island Ferry from the Queensboro Bridge from where I live. Now, that's a, you know, that's a very long drive. But I was so excited about how I was going to get there and that it was a long drive that that's what I was really into because I knew I wasn't going to take the subway down there because I'm not taking the subways. So I leave like way early because I don't even know how long it's going to take. The scooter's right outside my house. 
I drive and I decide to go right down Second Avenue, all which really Second Avenue with just a, a minor left hand turn onto actually First Avenue, which is like where I live. If you if First Avenue goes the opposite way, it goes uptown. But if it went downtown, you're right, basically taking First Avenue all the way down to the Manhattan Bridge, all the way down to the South Street Seaport in the water. It goes all the way down. So you just, you just have to go in second, and then, then First Avenue goes both ways. So that's what I decided to do. And then you cut over, and you're riding on the water the rest of the way to the ferry. And it's beautiful. You're riding a scooter. There's no traffic. It's picturesque and perfect and great weather. Uh, because that would have been, if it was cold, it would have been kind of a nightmare because it gets real windy down there, obviously, by, by the water. And then I, par- I had to park the, the bike at Battery Park City, which is no big deal because I was plenty of time, and then walked to the ferry, which is really a very close distance, but it's a little further than you'd think when you're thinking of it in your head. But I knew I set myself up for perfect time. I had to get there at 6.45 to catch the ferry. And I got there, and I'm like, maybe I should get a Metro card because I haven't had a metro card to take the subway or the bus just in case I might need it later and I just couldn't find a place to buy one because maybe because I might take the bus home because there's a bus that goes directly to my house and the bus I could take or I didn't know if the ferry even costs money and I haven't taken it in years it's free so I got there and she's already there which was you know I'm, I, I mean I know it's her show but she's really into the show and of course I like that you know, she she had this script to give me when I got there. She's like, here's the script, here's the, the lines, here's the spread, you know, here's the things we'll be talking about. She she puts a lot of effort in just the way I do with mine. She just doesn't know how to execute it properly. But it's uh, you know, I obviously I appreciate people that are into it. And remember, she get like four or five views and she's that into it. So I, I appreciate that. And she was nice. You know, I was nervous that she was going to be mean to me again. But again, remember, she's so pretty. (laughs) You really do forgive. It's easy. She's just so pretty. I know that's ridiculous, right? But so then we're on the ferry and it's beautiful. You know, you're just watching this, the world go by and it's just really, you know, great. We're, you know, you could you could sit on the side of the. I'm telling you, people who have never maybe been to New York or something, you can sit on the side. It's a much better deal to see the Statue of Liberty up close than actually taking the boat to the Statue of Liberty, which is kind of dull. You get off the boat, the Statue of Liberty, and you're like, okay. You know, this is like the boat. You can pretend you're either on Working Girl, the movie, or Titanic, and be like, I see the Statue of Liberty, very small, but still. I mean, you know, you're going, or The Godfather Part 2. This is the boat that just travels, but that's all you want to see. You want to do everything from every movie you've ever seen going past the Statue of Liberty. But we were even looking on the other side, because we don't care. We're New Yorkers. We've seen it before. And actually, where I was walking was this picturesque view. I was going to take a picture. I'm like, well, who's going to care? Where am I going to show this? I live in New York. Nobody cares. But it was like this, you're walking by to get to the ferry, and it's like this picturesque, perfect view that they have on purpose. Just a beeline to the Statue of Liberty and it is really terrific and again as a person who lives in Manhattan you don't you don't see it very often I'm not down there very often it is still spectacular 
So we take the boat over and we get off and then she there's a train system right there that I've been taking for years when I was a kid that it goes all the way the length of Staten Island. It's the worst transit system in the history because it stops at every stop, but I guess they figured out. And she's like going through and I'm like, whoa, 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 we're taking it. Whoa, whoa, we're taking the subway. Now it's an above ground train. But I was like, whoa, whoa, I didn't know we were, I didn't know. We, and I was like, I'm not, I, I, I can't piss her off. I can't be, I got to relax. And I don't have a Metro card. And she's like, oh, you can scan your, uh, you know, Citibank card or something. So she scans it and she goes right through, but I don't have the proper thing to do it. And I'm just sitting there and she's gone. She just left. And I'm like, and I'm trying to get a Metro card, but the train is leaving and there are people getting Metro. So I couldn't, there's nothing I could do. And she, but she came back to get me and, she, and then she gave me her card and I went through and I was starting to say, I'm like, well, see, I don't know how I feel about this. And then I was, uh, you know, afraid she was going to break. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I got it. This is, here we go. All right, we're going to take this right out. I took the train from the Meadowlands the other day. What's the difference? It's an above ground train. What's the difference if I even break at this point my subway streak? Who cares? But it doesn't go underground, so maybe there's a difference. Whatever the case, maybe I got on the subway or whatever it was. And uh, it, it was just one stop. Because so, she said we could walk from there, so that's what I thought we were going to do, but we took it. So I was like, I wish you would have told me. Like, because I, you know, I just. It's no big deal. We were all wearing masks. I mean, you have to wear a mask on the ferry and everything. But uh, I don't know. Just wasn't ready yet, I guess. But I did it, and we got off, and we went to the place. We went to this bar, and it's bingo night. And I'm like, I don't understand. What's going on? You always do this during bingo night? They have bingo night and a show? And she goes, no, something's wrong. And, uh, you know, of course, she's like, you know, she's uh, drunk, I guess. She went to the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. I guess they filmed there. I don't know. Nobody knew who she was. Nobody was going on. I, I don't know. We had a beer there, and she called up the guy. I was like, what's going on? She goes, oh, it's at the studio. So then we had to take, and she paid for my beer, and we took an Uber over to the zoo. I didn't have to pay for anything. And we took an Uber over to the studio, which is at this yacht club, just right out of Caddyshack, except it's a Staten Island yacht club, so it ain't that great, and it smells bad. But we went up these stairs and it's again this beautiful view with the Verrazano bridge and the water and it's set up for her podcast i mean it's just she walks in it's all set up they got a producer it's the exact it's exactly what i could do if i was a hot girl and they have a green screen set up and it, you can see it on youtube unforced errors it's called you know it's got the setup and the the producer was nothing but nice this guy dan and there's these two black guys that are there that were really great this guy fred and another guy I'm like, I don't know where they fit into this, but they're in the back and they're like, you you know, you and she's like, can I get a drink? I'm like, where are you getting a drink from? You go downstairs and there's like a pool. To, then it's the yacht club, but it's like still like kind of gross. <laughs> but again, you know, and then she even said, well, it's a Staten Island yacht club. I'm like, ah, excellent answer. Excellent answer. So I'm like, oh, she's starting to drink. This is, I don't know. But that was what I was planning anyway. But it was great. You know, I had a, a beer and there was a second beer and. And then we went upstairs and we did the show and it was fun. She only, you know, it's a couple times she was looking at me like she was going to kill me for something. But the producer kept saying that he, she does that to him too. So that made me feel much better. He completely got it and he was really sweet and nice. And so were the other guys. So everybody else, you know, everybody was great. So it was fun. And we did the show and then those guys ordered a pizza and wings. And uh, they were so nice. We were just talking. We got a little high. And, uh, you know, they were great. It was just a, it was a fun night. And then the guy drove us back to the ferry. 
and uh, we took it back. And then she was so embarrassed. She felt like she didn't do a good enough job on the show. So she showed me this um, short film she made on the boat, which was like seven minutes long. And she goes, I'm sorry. I just feel like I, I needed you to know that I'm much better than this, which is so funny. Again, I know it's superficial, but when a pretty girl is so... Because my sister and I talk about this all the time. When a pretty girl is so insecure, it's just funny to us. Me and my sister have been talking about it for years. have had our noses fixed like because we're all about vanity. It's just funny what she's trying to prove to me. No, no, I really am talented. Uh, and it's just funny. So she's showing me the thing. You know, it's not going to be bad because she you know, is completely photogenic. She looked great in the, the movie. And she, she was pretty good. But we just you know, watch it. And it was easy enough. And it was fun. And we had a really nice night. And there is no bad ending. And, uh, you know, we, we hugged each other again. She took the subway home. I took the Revel scooter home. And then we talked uh, in text. And she was like this. Is, and she sent me uh, pictures and stuff. It was, it was, a, it was a very pleasant experience. Uh, the only problem I had was that these guys ordered wings. So I had a piece of pizza. And, you know, I don't like eating in front of people. So these guys had wings. And they looked delicious. But I didn't want to eat the wings because they, you know, they get gross. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to wash my hands, so I just pretended I wasn't interested in eating the wings, even though it was killing me inside. <laughs> because I'm pathetic. <laughs> so I go to Battery Park City and I get that's the closest you can get the Revel scooter, and I am like, I'm very excited for this trip uh, uptown. I, you know, I'm excited to go far. It's like I said, it's a really nice night. And I said this time, you know what? Because this is going to be a long ride. I'm going to try and put my headphones in the helmet to see, you know, if I can kind of just listen to some music on the way. Because I usually, I've never put in the headphones while I'm riding the motor scooter. And I'm not worried about it, there being any problem. I keep it very low. You know, so I can hear stuff and everything. And I've done that with the bike before and everything. So I wasn't really worried. But I'm like, hey, it's going to work. It fit in pretty good. It wasn't crushing into my eardrums. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go up the West Side Highway, which has, you know, just the view of Jersey and Hoboken, stuff of the Hudson River. And I am going to listen to Donald Fagan. And that is going to be my plan this evening. I'm going to have a New York moment and travel up, you know, where there's really fun to ride this little scooter and listen to stuff like this Riding up, and it's a beautiful night, and it's well lit just listening to this kind of music on the way up. It was amazing. That's why I was playing uh, IGY up front. That's how it started. I'm like, boy, this is amazing. This is like, I'm really uh, taking advantage of once again living in this once in a while magical city and really just enjoying myself. It's different in a cab and a car. You know, you're not getting it. And you're out in the open and a beautiful night. I'm just 
you know, just doing all Donald Fagan. Uh, that's what I decided to go with. I mean, it's just like it kind of speak gives you a different attitude about the uh, city, even though there's a lot of nonsense going on. But it certainly didn't seem so at this time. Just go right up into the into the fifties. You know, so I was thinking of um, Spider-Man 2. There's a scene where Tobey Maguire is riding his little motor scooter, and he's so happy. And then, of course, he almost gets hit by a car. But his spidey sense goes off, and he's able to jump. But he's making this goofy face, which is why it makes these movies so good. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this scene right now. I'm like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And I have no idea that doom is pending. But it wasn't. Everything went perfect. Parked the uh, bike right outside my apartment and uh, went inside. And said, oh, my God, I have to order wings immediately because they're still on my goddamn mind. What is the matter with me, you fat fuck? So I ordered Domino's wings at, like, midnight. And they were delicious. I mean, they got me sick the next day. I had trouble at the funeral. But um, it was totally worth it. (laughs) It was so stupid. They're awful, and I needed them immediately. Look, this is the wing time of the year. So on Monday, right, I mean, how pathetic is this? I take the ferry out to Hoboken because I want to make an extra bet on uh, who, who they, oh, Baltimore Ravens, who didn't cover again. Oh, but I go out there and I place a bet and I come back because I'm meeting my friend Alon and his wife, mostly his wife, but Alon uh, hijacked our, our date together. Uh, because she like is into wings too, so that makes me really happy. And I said, well, let's go to Scruffy Duffy's. I called the owner that I had on this uh, podcast, Pat. Um, I can't think of his last name now, but you know something Irish. Uh, and I said, hey, we're going to be at the bar. And so I went to the bar, and I was early because I was coming. I was like, well, I'm not going to go back home. I'm already on the west side. So I was just kind of walking around again, nice night. And I go into the bar early, and the bartender there was great. She was really sweet. So we just kind of hit it off and talked for like a half hour, 40 minutes before uh, Sarah and Alan came. And then they came, and the wings were amazing. I got 16 hot and 16 medium, and I, I think I ate them all. Maybe I left two over. And Sarah shared some of them, too. I didn't have 32 wings, but I definitely had, like, 20. And she wanted it even hotter. So next time we're going to go even hotter, because the hot was up, but the medium were still, it's making my mouth water. It's hard to talk about. And spectacularly, look, I'm back. This time of the year, I can't stop thinking about wings. Probably in, uh, you know, after football, I'm usually pretty good. I might not have the urge for it, but. Jesus Christ, during football season, that's all I can, I can't think about anything else. And the Scruffy Duffy wings, they were, they were terrific. Oh, really old school great again, man. Scruffy Duffy's, again, we had that guy on, he invented the sauce. Oh, really made me happy. A great night. Oh my God, I drank so much. I think I had four pints of beer and a shot of tequila because I was telling these guys, I'm like, yeah, Monday nights, you know, it's like, I just, I need tequila and wings and that doesn't make, that just doesn't make for a good combination at all, but I love it. Where was the cocaine? You know, I got high. I mean, it's just like, I don't know what it is about Monday nights and wings during this time of the year, but it is party central. But I didn't even realize how much I had to drink and everything that night. And I, I what happened the next? Oh, the next day I had my show. That's, oh, that's right. I went out for breakfast with uh, with Nick, which was great. And I was just like, geez, I probably don't need any breakfast. I just need some coffee. But again, Great show. Very excited. So this Monday, because Colin Smith is going to sing on the show, I'm going to go 
or Tuesday, I'm going to go on Monday to see them at the uh, uh, the Comedy Cellar perform so I can support. Hopefully, won't get too wasted. So Tuesday's show will be just as spectacular as every show has been. But yeah, I got a problem when it comes to wings. Speaking of fat and drunk and stupid as a way to go through life, on Sunday, yeah, I went to Hoboken Sunday, made my bets, and it was beautiful in the sense of just, again, great day. There's nothing better than great weather. Again, I don't know why I don't move to somewhere nicer all year round, because it clearly just it makes me happy, as I believe it does everybody. Because when it's overcast, I'm a mess, even overcast, you know? And then um, it was such a beautiful, so, right, so then I went back, because I'm, I'm mixing up the days. Last week, I just did it on Friday, but so, so, and then I walked all the way back home, and it was lovely, and then the games were on, and I'm like, I don't know, whatever, and everything worked out really well. And then Rachel called and says, you want to come over for dinner? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm okay because I went out today. I don't need to be out on Sunday. And I'm like, what am I talking about? Let's go over. Because when Pete's at the, the firehouse, her husband, she gets upset being alone with the kid. So I said, come on. you and I asked Marina to come over too. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I get excited about taking the Revel scooter all the way out there. What I don't get excited about, God damn it, is having to take the bike to get the Revel scooter. I can't stand that they won't let me go over the bridge. It really sucks, especially on the way home, but whatever. I went there. She didn't have anything to drink. She's just like, oh, I ordered in some food. I'm like, oh, this can't be good. She didn't know what I wanted, but she actually got me something. Deli- I think she got me penny and chicken and vodka, and it was delicious. And usually, you know, I'd be like upset. So I said, I'm going to get something to drink. I don't know what how her neighborhood works, wherever she lives in Brooklyn. There was like no bodega, but there's a McDonald's. So I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to get like an extra large Coke in a fountain soda, which is awesome. And I got her a Diet Coke. And then what am I, not going to get fries? So I got fries too. I know. Was I not going to get it? I was thinking about getting nuggets for the kid. Because everybody knows babies like nuggets. But we really, uh, oh, but that Coke, I, I could have really gotten two of them. I mean, it's just like it went down so good. A beautiful fountain soda Coke. Look at me. It's like you would think I was 400 pounds the way I talk about food on this podcast, and I should be. And again, if I didn't live in New York City and, and walked and, and took the bike sometimes, it would not be good for me at all. But and think about if I lived in the suburbs in my car with all the fast food places I could drive to. Oh, my God. But then I would do more walking there, too. In fact, I really want to run a mile every day. But I can't stand running on the New York City streets. It's gross. I don't even know what to wear to run. And a mile is really nothing. I know I could do it. That's Stacey Lang's idea, and it's brilliant. It's something I'd like to try and do. Anyway, we had a really good time at Rachel's. She didn't even want us to leave. She wanted us to stay over. Like when Pete's at the, you know, he's there for 24 hours. He sleeps there or something, maybe even longer. So, you know, she just doesn't want us to leave. And you can't blame her. You know, it's tough being a, a mother whose uh, husband is a fireman, you know, a fire captain. It's like having a police officer for a husband, you know. So, uh, yeah, but then we left. And then, of course, I took the motor scooter back. And then I had to find a goddamn bike, an electric bike. Because there is no. Now, I took the regular old fashioned bike to Queens. Because that doesn't bother me as much, even though it's a very uphill climb. But I'm like, I can handle this. But there's no way I'm ever doing that back. Not when you're trying to get home and not when you just know. No, it's too difficult. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to be healthy at this point. 
It's too long. It's like a mile uphill. No thanks. So I'm done. I'm looking for an electric bike. Nothing's around. I got to go like way into Astoria with the scooter to just get a bike to get home. It sucks. But then, you know, once you get one, it's really you're home in no time at all. It's just I'm sick of it. You know, you're just like, that's the last part I want to do. I'm like, oh, if I could just take this over the bridge, this would work every time. I'm sick of it. I got to do something about it. And I don't know what. It's driving me crazy, let alone it's so dangerous going over that Queensboro Bridge because they have all these electric scooters that do go on there and they're not supposed to be there. It's illegal. And it's so and it's so small a space. It's really terrifying. But so that's why I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I gotta rethink this subway thing. It is easier or whatever. You know, I, I, I gotta break that at some point. But right now I still have it going because the Staten Island was above ground. Oh, by the way, what I didn't tell you, you didn't believe this. We come out of the subway, one stop, we get up to the the top of the stairs where the turnstiles are. And you got to pay again. And I'm like, what? So she just jumps over the turnstile. And I'm like, wait, you want me to jump over the turnstile? Just because I, I would have used my MetroCard or anything. I wouldn't care. I'm like, I was furious that they were charging to get out. They don't even have a place where you can buy a MetroCard. What the fuck? They're charging you to get out? We just paid. What the hell is that? That was fucked up. So I jumped over the turnstile and I had no problem. It was just difficult. I was trying to be cool and pretend like this just didn't hurt my back or that my uh, my trick knee didn't just go out while I did. I was just like, I have to look cool in front of her. <laughs> and she's, you know, got longer, much longer legs than I do. I don't know how she did it. But yeah, we jumped over the turnstiles. Didn't even give it a second thought that it was bad because if the cops had pulled it up, I'd be like, dude, what the fuck? Were you going to pay to get out? That's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? So I was I I first of all, I just I gotta get a metro card. I mean I just gotta go into the subway to get one. I you always had one for years. I always had multiple ones. I just haven't needed it in a while. But maybe, you know, even I, I could have taken the bus on the back of this ferry. The bus was right there that goes to my house, but I didn't have the card. I gotta get a card for an emergency. Anyway, whatever. So let me uh, tell you uh, a couple of things. I will also say, uh, if you watched Saturday Night Live last week with Kim Kardashian, I thought she was terrific. I really did. You know, when you're not expecting something from somebody, she's great. She looked good. My favorite was when she was just dressed as like a normal person. And she you forget how pretty she is just when she's dressed normally, not in that outfit she came out with, with the, the ridiculous pink, whatever that was. You know, I'm sure women liked it, but I didn't care for it. But I, I, I thought she was really good. I like when there's um, just, you know, a nobody on. I mean, you, you know what I mean. Somebody is not funny, but what the hell? You just want to see them do something wacky. I thought it was pretty good. I can do without the rest of that cast. Um, anyway, so Ron Howard and his brother Clint Howard. Ron Howard just Ron and Clint just wrote a new book. Uh, called The Boys, A Memoir of Hollywood and Family. And it's, you know, Ron Howard and Clint Howard have been working since they were like, you know, one. And they were on the Today Show talking about it. But this is great. And this, uh, there's an article in the Post about it. And, of course, they talk about how Ron Howard felt about that when they were like, hey, we're going to put Fonzie up front. And he's like, well, I don't think I like that. And thank God Henry Rankler was way cool. He's like, no, that shouldn't be the case. And 
you know, run. And Ron Howard was right. He was like, no, you, I'm, you know, I mean, sometimes you're, you know, it's like, you, like with, again, when we talk about Meredith Baxter, Bernie, and Michael J. Fox, no, you, you keep the credits the same. Meredith Baxter, Bernie first, then the father. Meredith Baxter, Bernie, Bernie is the star, even though we know Michael J. Fox is the star. We know Henry Winkler's the star. You don't change the opening credits. You look like fools. Because then it's obvious to everybody what you're doing, and you know when you're watching, it's got to make that person feel like a bucket of shit. So we all know that Meredith Baxter Bernie is a complete tool where she was jealous of Michael J. Fox. Again, we've talked about this multiple times. You be grateful you found Michael J. Fox. And and Ron Howard was so fucking cool. And obviously Henry Winkler is so sweet and nice and cool that he got it. Because then it would never have lasted, you know, 10, 12 years. Uh, so that's, you know, great stuff that you just want to know. But so he's talking about, Ron Howard's talking about when he was on American Graffiti, how it was Cindy Williams, you know, who played uh, Shirley, Anna Laverne and Shirley, who kind of taught him how to kiss. He'd never kissed before. And she's like, all right, I'll teach you. And, she's, and he says, I'm going to read it exactly the way he has it in the book. She's 25, he was 18. She schooled him on the art of smooching. She sensed correctly that her 18-year-old acting partner was inexperienced at kissing scenes and a bundle of nerds about nerves about performing them. He writes, we can't kiss for the first time on camera, she said. We better practice. And you know, this has happened to me before, too, which is awesome. He's uh, <laughs> like, we really should practice the kissing scene. All right. Um, with the professionalism of Hollywood's intimacy coordinator, Cindy taught me how to make out convincingly for the camera without overstepping. She was not interested in me romantically, nor I in her. Cindy performed the service out of generosity, saving me from embarrassment. I think that's very nice. For me, it was the opposite way. These girls, I think they obviously liked me because there was no reason to practice the kissing scene for what we were doing. Uh, I, don't, we're, I don't know. Women are crazy. So uh, <laughs> maybe there was. I don't know. Maybe Cindy did like it. Maybe he didn't even know. But I, you know, that's a great story, right? So here's the best part is that Clint, who is not very attractive, and and it's funny because even his own brother uses him as the goofy-looking guy in all of his movies, he goes, Clint's biggest revelation about his time on Gentle Ben, if you remember that, about a bear, him and a bear, concerns his Ursine, Ursine co-star? I guess that's, I don't know, if Bruno. The only negative was that he smelled... He also took prodigious dumps due to his equally prodigious diet. So it's hilarious that his brother had to, you know, really get schooled in the art of kissing a really pretty girl. And his brother, who is very unfortunate looking, uh, got to deal with this very smelly bear that just kept shitting. That is hilarious. And I've been waiting all week to tell you, and speaking of which, since it being Halloween, they were talking about, uh, you know, stuff about Halloween, and they were talking about, um, who, who's the guy that uh, was uh, the, 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 the British actor? Uh, Donald Pleasance. And they said that Donald Pleasance, in the original Halloween, he did not love being in the movie and drank heavily. Shooting a scene in which his character rides in a car with a nurse, Pleasance was two bottles of wine deep. That's drunk. But thanks to a talking to by Carpenter, who had to try to avoid conf- confronting his only famous actor, 
before that point, he managed to deliver a sober performance, which is just really funny. The reason I bought that up mostly is because, you know, there, there's a new Halloween movie coming out called Halloween Kills, and Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. And you know what's great? As much as the movie may suck, or as most of the movie, like, you know, who cares, Halloween, really? You could sit there and say, oh, my God, really? But don't you just love that Jamie Lee Curtis is still doing it? Like, the beauty about Jamie Lee Curtis doing Halloween and not giving a shit, because she's totally proved herself, you know? She loves that she was in the original Halloween and, 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 and its sequel, I believe. And, and, and so when she does all these as an older person 30, 40 years later, it's like she totally proved herself. You know, she came out of those movies. She does Trading Places. She does, um, to, I mean, uh, you know, the list is truly endless. Uh, what, what, what's the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, True Lies, and, you know, so much other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm just not scratching the surface here. She's so terrific. People love her. She's, you know, really had a great career, and that's why it's awesome that's just my coming back because anybody else who just made their career from Halloween, it would be a little pathetic and you'd be like, well, what is she going to do? She's not doing anything else. But you love that somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis, who clearly is cool and clearly people like working with, you know, obviously she's done it all. So it's great when you see her that she's still all on board with this. I like that. I almost want to see the movie just because I like Jamie Lee Curtis. She's fucking cool. It reminds me of Sigourney Weaver in Aliens 4. I don't know if you ever saw that. It's excellent. Aliens 3 is not good at all. Aliens 2 is amazing, right? Amazing. First one's good. Second one's the best. The best. Third one stinks. And the fourth one is great. And Sigourney Weaver is great in it. It's like we, It's hard to explain. I think she plays a clone in it. But she's so cool. And she's just having fun with it. And it's really... And you realize... You know, she. this came out much later. She had already proven herself. I think she already won an Oscar, but she was nominated multiple times. And that's the thing, you know. Once you prove yourself, you're like, yeah, let's do another Aliens. Hey, if she hadn't proven herself, she probably would be like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, they all have to prove themselves. Look, I can do all this, I can do that, and then I can go back to doing this. And that's what makes these women very cool. And you know I appreciate that kind of stuff. Oh, God, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon again with their stupid last duel. It's supposed to suck because they suck. Well, Matt Damon doesn't, but Ben Affleck does. Just one last thing I have here is that there's an Afghanistan hand, girls handball team, and now they're nervous about their lives. You know, because, yeah, they're still, they're still in Afghanistan. Well, listen, ladies, you should be nervous. You should... They were like, oh, we couldn't get out. Like, you should have been trying to get out of there way before any of this happened. What are you doing playing handball in Afghanistan? That, that, that's never going to end well. How is there even an organized women's team of anything there? They hate women so much. This whole thing doesn't make any sense. They're like, we're homeless now. Wherever we go, the Taliban is looking for us. Of course they're because, yeah, they're, what are you doing? I, don't, I mean, I, I feel horrible for them. It's just any woman that's in Afghanistan should have left a long time ago. The hatred of women there is like, a, it's like the hatred of Jews or anybody else. You got to try and get out immediately. It's never going to get good. Even when the Americans were there, like, yeah, let's get the fuck out. 
Also, uh, I watched the penultimate, I believe, episode of Only Murders in the Building this morning, and it's so funny. Jane Lynch comes in as Steve Martin's television character's stunt double, and it is hilarious. Like, it's really funny. Really funny. There's two instances where Martin Short is just the best, where he thinks he's talking to Steve Martin, but it's Jane Lynch, and it's... A great gag. Um, so many fun stuff. That is a really terrific show. I am really I am really happy that that exists and that there's somebody like Steve Martin who cares and wants to give you a quality program still in this later stage of his life where he could completely just do a walkthrough, but he chooses not to. Whereas, like, you know, with Jamie Lee Curtis, I think she's doing a walkthrough, but... She doesn't care. She's just having fun. She didn't care. It's Halloween. She's like, that's you know, that's the way she is. She's like, it's fucking Halloween. Are you kidding me? I remember when Sarah was in uh, Star Trek, uh, two episode parter of, I don't know whether it was Deep Space Nine or the next, it wasn't the next generation. So it had to be one of those, you know, one of the other ones. And she was in a two part episode and she had an acting teacher. It wasn't Larry Moss. And she had an acting teacher and um, she was like, listen, I, you know, I got this thing, and here's the script, and the guy goes go, goes to her. He goes, Sarah, it's Star Trek. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, like, you want to do a good job, but it's not necessary to do your best acting like she did in, like, I'll, I'll Smile Back than it is, in, you know, playing the, uh, the computer uh, neutral physicist uh nuclear physicist in star trek like uh like denise richards in uh, the world is not enough a brilliant but uh jaded nuclear physicist denise richards oh yes that made a lot of sense meanwhile she's my favorite bond girl because i just think she's the hottest but i'm i'm uh broken goods i'm damaged goods <laughs> the fact that who's your favorite bond girl denise richards what did, what what did you say what did you say? That's me. Well, I guess that's it for today. I really had a great time talking to you today on the podcast. I think I covered everything that this podcast is about. We had some, you know, kind of breaking news in the sense of uh, Greg telling us about OJ. And we had some sob stories. We had some old school movie stuff we were talking about. And then, of course, we had some great New York City stories. The reason why you love the Nightfly and why it loves you back. Folks, Billy Joel A to Z this week. Don't forget, the eyes are starting this week. I don't want to be alone anymore. That's what I call it. But I don't want to be alone. Great song, horrible opening. One of my favorites, in a way, of a Billy Joel song. You should listen to that one. It's good. It also talks about loneliness and certainly I reflect on that it's probably why I like it and the other one is I go to extremes which sucks and of course on the comedy seller football show this week what was I Bobby Brady my voice went up Colin Smith and uh, Nick and Lou Pellegrino and that should be a very fun show they're going to play like five or six songs we're really going to go for it and they're going to make some uh, Premier League picks. You know, we want to include Colin in everything we do. So that is everything in the world of Dave Juskow and the Nightfly and Billy Joel and the Comedy Cellar, all that kind of stuff interwined into one show, the Nightfly. 
for your listening pleasure, everybody. We will see you next week on this beautiful time of the year in October, wherever you may be. October is a fun time. Halloween decorations galore. The best time to be alive. October. Everywhere. You love the month. You love the podcast. We'll see you next week, everybody. Good night. On that train, old graphite and glitter. On the sea.